0: The U.S. sports media market is undergoing transformative changes, an MLB team hits the public market today, plus we're talking slam ball later in the episode. It's Tuesday, July 18th, I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Phoenix is the fifth largest U.S. city by population, and it is undergoing a massive change in how it watches sports, with the Arizona Diamondbacks on the cusp of being the latest team to make some big changes. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. So that we can appreciate how big these changes here are, let's start with the before shot. How did Phoenix sports fans watch the Diamondbacks, Suns, and Mercury last year?
1: On a regional sports network, as uh, as is the case in most every other U.S. market, that you had Bally Sports Arizona, uh, where fans would tune in to their local games, and now that situation is pretty radically changing. You've already got the Suns and Mercury, who have parted ways with Bally Sports and their bankrupt parent Diamond Sports Group. Uh, they've got a new deal where their games are going to be shown on a series of o- local over-the-air television stations and on free streaming. And now we've got a situation where the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, we've got a court hearing today where we're expecting that it's going to be certified where uh, baseball is going to take over the rights of that team, and so uh, now we went from three teams on that RSN to, to zero. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so this is following the path of the Padres, correct? Who correct? You know, now they're they're off of their RSN, which of course is also Bally's and Diamond, and onto just being produced by MLB. Um, is, is there any hope for diamond to kind of stay involved here?
1: Not at this point there, we had a still, I mean, you know, until we get to the uh, 11th hour, I guess there's always some hope, but right now it's not looking good. We had a statement three uh, weeks ago. Uh, that there had been some productive conversations at that time between Diamond and the Diamondbacks about a reworked deal. But that reworked deal was going to have some pretty significantly cut rights fees. And there's a lot of fear within the league and then among the other teams about that being sort of a precedent, that if you're not going to honor the deal, what's to stop the next time to use a bankruptcy proceeding or some other you know, serious situation like that to – you know, get out of a uh, contract and pretty pretty dramatically rework the terms here. So uh, there's been a lot of pushback to that notion of having a, a, a cut uh, Diamondbacks rights deal. So right now, the, the track appears to be that they're going to go their own way and um, go with baseball for the time being, and then ultimately, in their hopes to uh, work out a deal with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, very
0: interesting. Let's head east over to Atlanta. So we've covered this already, but um, th- you've got some new details for us. The Atlanta Braves, as of today, are on the public market. You yourself, listener, can own a piece of the Braves um, if you just go uh, buy a share of their stock. So Eric, what do we know about this deal?
1: So this has been long in the works. This was initially announced last fall, and there's been a whole ramp-up period to make this happen. Uh, there was a special meeting of Liberty Media shareholders on Monday, a short one that, in which this transaction, again, that this has been long discussed and, and long planned, was approved. And so now we're going to have a situation where the Braves are going to become out from under Liberty in their own publicly traded company, Atlanta Braves Holdings, Inc., the interesting thing, though, is that even though that has happened, Liberty is still going to have a pretty significant role in all of this. The chairman of Liberty, John Malone, is going to have about 47.5% of the uh, Atlanta Braves stock at the beginning of this new issue. Uh, Greg Maffei, the Liberty chief executive, he's going to be the chairman of this new uh, Atlanta Braves holdings. And then you've got another Liberty uh, media uh, board uh member who's going to be on the board of this new entity. And then you've still got another situation where uh, the Braves are going to be relying on Liberty Media for some corporate governance and some tax assistance. They'll pay for those services, but there's still going to be a lot of overlap here. And so even though they are technically their own separate company, and yes, you can buy a share of the Braves and own a part of the Braves, there's still going to be this heavy overlap with Liberty.
0: The interesting thing to me about this is how Liberty and, you know, their leadership can now, it's more like a volume knob than, than just, you know, like, okay, if you want to sell a stake in the team, it's this whole thing. You have to, you know, solicit buyers. If, um, if Liberty wants to sell, you know, 10% of the Braves, they can do that. If they want to sell 2%, they can say, you know, all right, we're, we're releasing more shares into the market. We're selling some of our shares, whereas other teams, you know, they have to sell discrete amounts at certain times. Yes. Um, and and it's, you know, much more of a process.
1: Yeah. And it's very interesting because again, the way what you describe the way the public markets work. And if you read through this very lengthy, literally 664 pages of the prospectus that lays out how this transaction is working, they, uh, describe exactly what you just described, and moreover, John Malone having singular ability to do things and and having a lot of unilateral power, given, again, the size of that stake being almost half of the of the sh- outstanding shares, um, having a unilateral ability to really affect a lot of corporate outcomes.
0: And just before we go, um, and we should caveat this with this is not investment advice and whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, disclaimer goes, goes in front of every, you know... Uh, you know stock pick or whatever do you you think the braves are a good stock
1: i do and the reason why i say is uh if you were to sort of rank the teams in in major league baseball one to 30 in terms of who are the best run organizations on and off the field there is a very compelling case to be made for the braves at number one uh five straight division titles 2021 world series title uh still growing attendance you got the battery that everybody wants to copy in their own uh, stadium and arena projects best record in baseball right now the list goes on and on this is just an exceptionally well-run organization
0: eric fisher insightful as always thanks for joining us always a pleasure this friday on espn you can see a much anticipated sporting event and i'm not talking about the women's world cup i'm not talking about messi's first game with inter-miami i am talking about the return of slam ball this is a contact version of basketball with trampoline like jumping pads in the area around the hoops. If you've been in a bounce house with a basketball hoop and gotten into an epic game in one of those, it's like that, but made into a professional sport. I spoke with Slamball's founder and CEO, Mason Gordon, about his sky high ambitions for the sport, and that conversation is coming up next. Very excited to be joined now by Mason Gordon, creator and CEO of Slamball. Welcome, Mason.
2: I'm so excited to be here. Front office sports. Is it too early? Is it too early for me to get this excited?
0: Hey, man, it's Slamball. You can get excited anytime you want. So, yeah, what is Slamball? Enlighten our audience here.
2: Slamball is hostile, mobile, agile. It's a hybrid sport that combines the best elements of. Football, basketball, and hockey, a little bit of, vi- of video games into a truly compelling hybrid sports offering. So, we're incredibly excited uh, about the sport. It's four on four hockey style substitutions. There's full contact in the open floor and competition spring beds built right into the surface of the floor inside the three point line that propel players up to 18 feet off the game floor so the excitement level and slam ball that we generate the highlights that we generate second to none on the sports landscape yeah when
0: you watch highlights it's basically like basketball and trampolines where you know you can have an alley-oop or someone like flies across the the floor you know through the air
2: I'll just correct you. We don't say trampolines. We say spring beds or tramps. Uh, Trampolines, people think Cirque du Soleil, and this is a legitimate competitive sport. And uh, our guys are trying to win and hoist the trophy at the end of the series. And so the basketball component of is it's pretty obvious. Why is it also like football? Yeah. So half of our players come from a basketball background and half of our players come from a football background. And that's really interesting because, you know, football players would just be the people that showed up at our tryouts and would represent about 25% of our athlete pool. And now what we've seen with slam ball is that really, really high level football players want to participate and they actually have an outsized impact in the sport. So Now we're seeing a real blending of basketball and football athletes in Slam Ball. And that's really exciting because in every high school, every college, every barbershop all across the country, that's the argument. Are basketball players ascendant apex athletes or are football players? And in Slam Ball, you get to see them blend their skills right there and, and in some ways answer that question.
0: So you guys launched in 1999, but it feels like there's been a surge of interest recently. Do, would you agree with that, that it's been a, a, a acceleration in the last couple of years?
2: Definitely an acceleration. My partner, Mike Tolan, and I, uh, we really cheerleaded to each other, cheerled to each other um, over several years that we weren't going to bring Slam Ball back until the timing was ab- absolutely optimal and it could be live, engageable, embeddable. And we f- and we really saw this massive resurgence around interest in Slam Ball a few years ago with the hashtag bring back Slam Ball movement, which was wholly organic and we had nothing to do with it. Um, it was overtime elite posting it. It was... Uh, Barstool Sports posting it. It was ESPN's Instagram. It was Jason Tatum. And that's really what drove us to say, hey, let's go out to the capital markets and see what the interest level is. And lo and behold, everything that we were talking about was just landing with people and sounded absolutely prescient for the time. Um, so we were able to put together an all-star group of investors uh, that are all sophisticated and a- absolutely uh, discerning in the sports space. And we've been able to secure a multi-year deal with ESPN.
0: Yeah, actually I wanted to get into that ESPN deal in a moment, but why is this the time for Slam Ball? What, what about this This yeah, moment makes it makes it right?
2: Yeah, I think it's really clear that young audiences are reaching out for sports to call their own. Uh, In legacy sports, uh, you've got unbelievable top line success. And yet there is a real there's a real issue with younger demographics not watching their core product that's in some cases two and a half and three hours long. Um, So I think slam ball really is made for this moment. It's, uh, it's hot television, half hour games. Uh, they're fast and furious and, uh, you, you can, you know, get a lot of incredible highlights in a nice tidy little package. Um, so I think that's part of the appeal. And then also there was a massive sea change with respect to the rise of these trampoline family fun centers. You've probably been to a six-year-old's birthday party at one of these things. And so you've got multiple generations now that grew up on tramps and and trampolines and they have uh, that they have that understanding of the athletic uh, activity. And then the other piece is you've got parents comfortable with their kids on trampolines. So that's a ra- That's a, a pretty dramatic sea change. And I think that's what's made slam ball makes so much sense to so many people.
0: Yeah. I have young kids and we got a trampoline during the pandemic and it was, it was a lifesaver for just <laughs> like being able to expel a bunch of energy all at once. Um, for the ESPN DL, Yeah. How did you get slam ball on ESPN?
2: yeah so you know we went out to the capital markets, Owen, and we found a lot of people that were highly interested in Slam Ball as an IP. Um, there aren't that many IPs that in sports that check as many boxes as Slamball checks. And, you know, it's been a really challenging capital environment the last few years, but we were oversubscribed in a very short period of time. Um, so after that, we went out to broadcasters and we were like, hey, man, like Slam Ball is awesome. Like somebody's going to give it a shot. But what we didn't expect is every single sports channel out there. And I'm talking all of them made offers uh, to put Slam Ball on their air or signaled a strong intent to make an offer. So we were able to kind of sit back and call our partner and Slam Ball is back, baby, and it's on ESPN. That is a conversation ender with respect to: Is this a legitimate sport? Is this something that's worthy of live coverage, of being bet on, and all these things? So uh, we're we're very fortunate, and we're ha- we're so happy to be working with our partners over at ESPN. And I think there's a really great chance that slam ball becomes their signature summer sport. <laughs> And you know, with that
0: mainstream audience of ESPN, you could have the opportunity to not just have slam ball be the attraction, but the athletes themselves be the attraction. Do you think there's the potential for us to get to know top slam ball players?
2: I don't think there's any question. I mean, we keep turning to the left and turning to the right and running into rabid slam ball fans that really loved this thing when it was on cable television 20 years ago. And they don't just like it. They're not just like, meh about it. They're like, this was awesome and spoke to me in a way that very few things have connected with me over my lifetime. So, and now they're running brands, they're running uh, sports organizations, they're running venues, they're running broadcasters. So we're running into so many people that get this at a fundamental level, and they all know some of the original players. So Slam Ball is kind of uniquely formulated in the alternative sports space to generate stars. And I think the biggest thing is like the the uniqueness of our competitive landscape. I mean, where else are you going to find a linebacker from Nebraska facing off against uh, a small forward from USC. Uh, You know, you don't find that in any other sport. So I really think the football and basketball cultures colliding and slam ball is the fundamental uh opportunity here and it's the fundamental positioning in the marketplace if we have adjacencies to both the nfl and the nba and can draw from those fan bases you don't have to squint very much to see the market opportunities for scale and
0: you mentioned a funding round what what's that money going toward to grow this game
2: yeah it's running this training camp uh that we're actually on our last day today we're so excited about getting through the training camp And then we're moving over to cox pavilion where we're going to run a first class uh television production uh and we're gonna be uh we're gonna be in residency at cox pavilion for almost a month so you know all the all that stuff is uh is is part of where we're applying our capital and obviously finding the players and getting getting everybody uh spun up and ready to do this at the high level this can't be like the slam ball of old, this has to be the best slam ball that's ever been played uh, to make it live and worthy of uh, ESPN's air.
0: And to set up the courts themselves, do you, is it, you know, it's gotta be a specialty thing, obviously. Do you just, you know, you have one location at a time or how does that all work?
2: Yeah. So currently we have, we're we in one location and running everything off of one court. Um, but we expect there to be uh many courts that are going to go all around the world uh we're going to do our summer slam ball series uh year over year and that's going to be our big championship um think wimbledon and then we'll go uh to overseas markets and play what we're calling slam ball majors in the off season so in the event that we create the stars that we were talking about if we find our conor mcgregor if we find our john jones Uh, Fans will be able to follow their story in the offseason through social media and other channels and and obviously other other broadcast opportunities of the of the elimination games. Um, But we expect that Slam Ball is a global property and that we will be uh, we will will be globalizing the game very, very quickly through this strategy.
0: So you're just getting into my was going to be my last question there. But where do you want to see this thing go in the next few years?
2: Oh, man, there's there's so much blue sky when it comes to slam ball, not just on the court because the verticality creates so much incredible uh, creative game space that people are are just uh, that these athletes are exploring. And it's so fun to see. But the business side of slam ball has also got a lot of blue sky built into it. Our expectation is that. You know we're going to make a great splash here in a in just a handful of days uh, on ESPN and a, across our month long run on ESPN, ESPN two and ESPN plus, and then after that we're going to be uh, digging into all the international interests. Slam ball has been distributed in over a hundred countries around the world, and we've we've turned uh, turned around some eye popping rating successes. Uh, so there are already hotbed markets that are seated for Slam Ball, uh, for live Slam Ball. And our expectation is that we'll be able to grow that very quickly. And as we build, uh, as we build, momentum and credibility year over year as a global property. Our expectation is you know, that there's a World Cup format four or five years down the line. And after that, it's the Olympics. It's, uh, it's any number of things. So we're not wanting for uh, ambition here or vision. Uh, and we hope everybody tunes in on uh, July 21st on the relaunch and gets a taste of Slam Ball. And once you see this thing, um, it, it's hard to kind of... 20 years ago, we pressed a button in the hearts and minds of a lot of people when this was on cable television, and now we're going to get the chance to do that again, not just with legacy fans, but young fans, which we're clearly connecting with on social media.
0: All right. Sky's the limit. Mason Gordon, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Owen. That is it for today. Like I said yesterday, this is going to be one of those intense weeks in the sports world just based on all the things that we can see coming. And it's only Tuesday. There's going to be more. Subscribe to keep up with all of it. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.